0: Some of the top designers in the states, uh, mm-hmm. top designers in the, U- in the in the world, are here. This is a great opportunity to to meet some very influential and, and uh, inspiring people, mm-hmm. and IDSA is, is able to to pull that together. So, these in-person connections connections is what we wanted to keep. And then now, going back to that service design model, like how can we realign our programming to ensure that we are maximizing the potential for people to meet one-on-one in person.
1: Welcome to Design Drives, your audio experience about what, how, and why design drives things forward. A podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear, together with forward-thinking design practitioners from around the world. In this episode, I talk with Chris Lovades, Executive Director of IDSA, the Industrial Design Society of America, the leading organization on industrial design based in the States. IDSA promotes the valiant impact of industrial design and has built the largest community of industrial designers, with local chapters across the states. Our conversation happened at the recent IDC International Design Conference in Chicago, which is created and hosted by IDSA. The conference looked into the future of industrial design and beyond, a really amazing conference with some of the most forward-thinking designers living today. Designers and IDSA collaborated closely in bringing episodes with some of the IDC speakers to you. With Chris, I dive into the future of industrial design as well as his exciting journey. Enjoy. All right, I'm with Chris Loverdey today. Hello. um, Hello. And uh, who's actually Executive Director of um, IDSA. That's right. And we're here at the IDC conference, so... How's the conference so far? Uh,
0: I think it's going well, but I've been kind of behind the scenes and running around like crazy. So uh, I've seen lots of smiles and people connecting and and shaking hands. And so I'm happy that that's all happening. And you presented, you did a great job. So uh, from my perspective, it seems like it's going great.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, Maybe to give the audience a little bit of context about your background, maybe you can run, make a quick one to your your journey and where it all started out.
0: Yeah, uh, I went to Auburn University, which is in Alabama. Uh, to study industrial design, um, I actually applied to Auburn in architecture and then in the because uh, I didn't know what industrial design was <clears throat> as a profession. Uh, so I, I thought architecture was the only way that I could uh, make a living and be create creative in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then during the, uh, the the very first stages of uh, uh, getting enrolled in the, in the school, they told me about industrial design. I actually said i, I my passion was drawing cars and they're like, oh, that's industrial design. you should do that. So I immediately switched majors. And uh, I, so I never took one architecture class. I went straight to industrial design and uh, never looked back. Uh, so I finished uh, finished uh, school. And it was kind of a challenge uh, to, to find a job. And then, as you may imagine, in, in Alabama, there's not too much design going on right now, uh, in terms of industrial design, at least. Um, so I, I, st- I was working. Uh, doing graphic design for a while and actually user interface of of screens Um, before i I really knew what that was as well so and this is also back in the days of cd-roms so i was creating menus and uh, buttons and user interfaces for digital information Uh, and then finally i found my way up to atlanta i got a job uh, as an industrial designer working with a architectural water fountain company Mm -hmm. so large scale architectural water features Um, the Bellagio that kind of stuff but we didn't do that one but that's that's the kind of scale so that was really fun and that was my first actual work doing physical things uh, but in many cases we you know we're ultimately designing water uh, so the physical thing that I was designing was not really the important part you know the important part was what the water looks like when it leaves the jet or when it's in the air um, so that was kind of an interesting kind mm-hmm. of challenge and uh, so it was spray effects lighting uh, sound you know, all these different kind of things so that was really fun um, then the recession happened uh, in America and water features at, at that scale are, are kind of a, uh, a a not a necessity really yeah. so uh, the budgets got cut so there was not not too much work in, in, uh, in water fountains um, and I was able to, to find work with another firm in Atlanta uh, called in reality uh, that was doing retail design so environments showrooms, And uh, I was kind of able to leverage my work doing water features and large environments and spaces um, thinking about um, water feature in terms of an experience what are the users uh, kind of feeling what what emotion do we want them to have uh, whenever they see this thing or walk by it or even interact with it in some cases and then that actually correlated quite well to the retail environment uh, how people shop um and kind of the, what thinking about psychology of shopping and what what experience you want product, people to have with products um, so mm-hmm. i worked there as an industrial designer and worked my way up to creative director with them and then um, to we also did a whole lot of research and that also got me into like service design and and, uh, and mm-hmm. research and uh, use over sort of digital interactions and responsive environments all kinds of stuff so um, industrial design was just kind of one small piece of that puzzle um my wife is also an industrial designer so she got a job in San Francisco so we packed up and moved to San Francisco um and my last job before starting with IDSA was uh I was I started freelancing uh and I was doing actually I was working with uh, an aircraft manufacturer and we were doing kind of the future visioning for urban aerial mobility mm-hmm. so I I was a lot of research involved with that um, kind of service journey mapping and uh, designing a service you know what would what would uh, a user want out of a a flying taxi so to speak so Mm -hmm. uh, we were doing you know the electric vertical takeoff landing vehicles um so i was doing a lot of initial research on 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 how how users might interact with that Uh, our learnings then influenced the design of the aircraft Um, so that was like a six-month contract it was uh, a great job the project is still going Mm -hmm. Um, but right around the time that that ended this opportunity with IDSA opened mm-hmm. up. I throughout that entire cr- my uh, professional career I was a volunteer with IDSA. So uh, it was sort of a natural progression. I was already working actually with with this society on some future visioning kind of work and forecasting where we could be, uh, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. So uh, they asked me to come in and here we are. Mm-hmm. That's it in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Great. The vertical landing uh, mm-hmm. project you just mentioned, mm-hmm. they, was there an uh, in-house team as well, or were, the, were you the only designer, or um, was the
0: team? It was with, um, so the air, aircraft manufacturer, they had their own engineers and designers yeah. um, that were all in-house. And then we were working at a at sort of a, a special projects team uh, that uh-huh. was in Silicon Valley multidisciplinary yeah and, yeah so as myself and uh, two other sort of uh, UX experienced type of designers mm-hmm. uh, pretty multidisciplinary mm-hmm. uh, in their approach there um, so we, we led and kind of developed the the, the plan for research um, we did a lots of research in the US we also went to, to Dubai which is amazing um, Mm-hmm. to do research there. And they're quite progressive. Yeah, still and yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely a city that would, that would want a vehicle like that. You know, yeah. they, they love to be the, the first and the best and the biggest. So that was really amazing. Um, so like I said, we, we took what we learned from those interviews and, and um, te- testing different kind of very simple prototypes with, mm-hmm. with users during those research sessions. And we fed all that information uh, in terms of recommendations to the design team and the engineering team. Um, they basically said, you know, we can make anything fly. Um, so you tell us what the users want, uh, and they'll make it fly. So, mm-hmm. and now they they've just uh, developed sort of a, a prototype of their what their visual what their vehicle is, and it's a sort of scale model. And so they've been just releasing that. So mm-hmm. It's really exciting to see it see it go. And mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it sounds like a super exciting project. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah,
0: and it was fun because I I, I kind of stumbled on that job. Um, and when i was talking to the team originally it, it sounded almost too good to be true mm-hmm. uh, i had no at that time no transportation experience mm-hmm. and i was like are you sure you want me to be a part of this i have i have no, I've never done flying vehicles you know uh-huh. and they were like no it's great we you know with the, my service background the the research that i had done yeah. kind of holistic thinking about how people use a service and how that connects digital and, and physical uh, interactions, all that stuff kind of came full circle with that project. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I think the aspect about multidisciplinary design, like, you know, mm-hmm. having like different perspectives involved, I think is, like super interesting yeah. because you have to think automatically about a journey mm-hmm. and a service experience, but then there's also the product and how these two aspects are informing each other, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, would, you, would you say you're an industrial designer then, today, at the moment, or uh, how would well, you, it, be your definition it, then?
0: I, I guess, I mean, I still love industrial design uh, as it's classically defined, I think. Um, so I, I do define myself as an industrial designer, as a, as a designer in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've struggled with that question, you know, especially, you know, before this role when I was looking for new work and how yeah. do I, you know, because I, I, I was not a sort of specialist and I don't have a lot of classic industrial design kind of uh, experience you know, in my professional career. But um, so I called myself a generalist. Um, with remarkable specialty so I I was really good at at research and 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 service kind of ecosystem Mm -hmm. and mapping all that out and understanding experience and understanding you know like I said the connections digital and physical uh, and finding threads that tie it all together Um, and when it came to designing things I can also help with that too Um, so when I was before this job I, I was yeah I was just a sort of designer uh, and I could help in many different facets, so um, But it's, it's mm. an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think lots of folks struggle with do I stay in one vertical or do yes. I do I call myself multidisciplinary? Yeah uh, I don't
1: know. Yeah, a lot of talk about like you know, T-shaped designers, right? right? That yeah. kind of topic uh, what, what is your view on that like, um, you know, industry designers trying to embrace other? Disciplines, I mean, especially the current, you know, job market has been really also sure. a trend that, you know, people try to break out a little bit or try to emphasize other yeah. aspects. What's your I th- view on the, it's also called hybrid design, very Sure, often. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's a necessity for industrial designers. I mean, very few products, I mean, other than uh, the chair we're sitting in or, or the, the, this table uh, are kind of standalone objects like that anymore, you know. Mm. It's, pretty much everything is now is having a sensor in it of some type and which means it's connected to a system and a service and some sort of backend. So uh, I think uh, any responsible industrial designer should also understand what that means, uh, at a, just literally how it works kind of at that level, but also what it means and what the, what that responsibility in, entails of now, you're starting to collect user data. Now you're starting to, to have your little thing be connected to this larger ecosystem. So, uh, the designer needs to be responsible for that and i think should also want to work on that larger ecosystem so it all carries the same uh, kind of brand message if you're working for a brand and or carries the same design language and uh, so that the user ends up getting a a seamless experience
1: Mm -hmm. how would you um, how could you know industry designers approach this i mean if you study industrial design would it be you know, through the work experience that you, you know, get to know these other yeah. um, disciplines or what would be a, a good way for designers to, you know, tap into these kind of um, different disciplines. Do you have any? Yeah.
0: Probably. I mean, it seems like schools are starting to to, to teach more like, a classic industrial design uh, coursework. Mm-hmm. might have a project where they, they pair you with students who are doing yeah. digital or even with an engineering team. Um, all of my my work was, was very practical and, and like I said, my first job I was doing more or less print graphic design and then it turned into doing digital UX and I didn't know that that was even a thing at that time. You know, I knew that a GUI, the graphic user interface, and that's what we mm-hmm. called it, but I had no formal training there. But I, through industrial design, knew enough about a consistent sort of user experience that, okay, we should always usually probably keep a button in the same corner so that when people come back to this, they know where to go. And, um, so I was able to apply uh, you know, learnings from classic industrial design to, to yeah. a digital platform in that case. Um, I also think that's, that's one of the great, kind of beautiful things about an industrial design training is that it'll, it, I believe it does prepare you to do quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, from an IDSA standpoint, it's, it's like that's a beauty and a challenge too, because our membership does so many things. Mm -hmm. you know we have furniture designers and car designers and uh, and everything else in between and how do we as as an organization support them with programming and uh, and then how do you support them across your entire career we can talk about that later but um, yeah I I think industrial design is is, I'm biased obviously but it's I think it's a it's a career path and and a profession that uh, enables and prepares you know people with a creative mindset to do a lot of different diverse kind of work uh-huh. and then it's through that diversity and it's through when you actually get out into the workforce you're going to be working with multidisciplinary teams you learn from them they learn from you and you go from there mm-hmm.
1: yeah I think it was also interesting to have been a lot of you know you just were mentioned the struggle of like how do you define yourself right yeah um, a lot of new different interesting definitions right so Let's say for example, I'm industrial designer. I'm a D plus UX or um, a product experience designer, yeah. uh, uh, or industrial and experience designer, or experience designer in general. So yeah. this has been, I think, a lot of people struggle with this. Yeah, um,
0: and uh, you've uh, been you've been doing these interviews, so yeah, I'd be curious what, what what you've been hearing too. Yeah.
1: So you also, you know, like you were mentioning, you're now executive director at uh, IDSA, yeah. and um, it's really interesting being here at uh, the conference. Maybe can. Talk a little bit about your role and uh, maybe to give the people a little bit of context what is actually IDSA for the people, maybe in Asia
0: and outside um, uh, sure. sort of the US? Yeah, yeah. So uh, IDSA stands for uh, Industrial Designers Society of America. It's a professional membership society, it's a professional organization uh, for, for individual professional designers. Um, it's over 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was started by some of the the great industrial designers that that you might have studied about in school. Um, Charles Eames was the keynote at our at our very first conference which was actually right here in Chicago back in I think 65, 1965. Um, So there's a tremendous history with the organization Um, and the the goal of the organization is pretty simple. Um, though We want to provide our our community and the public at large uh, a resource and knowledge base about industrial design and support professional designers you know, through their entire career, all the way from when they when they graduate from school and mm-hmm. enter the workforce, and then ho- and then all the way till they retire.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, when did you join the the new role?
0: Um, I started in it was 2018. So I was I was asked by the board of directors to come on, uh, in a, as, as as an interim capacity. So the, the uh, other the outgoing executive director retired. And uh, so they, they needed somebody to fill and so it, it initially it was just supposed to be a one-year job mm. um, I knew it was an interim position uh, but at the same time I didn't want to be what's you know like what's called a sitting duck I didn't want to just be here and, and sit in a chair and not do anything uh, I had a, a whole bunch of volunteer experience with the organization uh, it's it's something that I was deeply passionate about it's it supported me through my entire mm. career as well so and I already knew all of our headquarters staff pretty well, so I was able to just kind of start working. And I, like I said, didn't want to. I didn't want to be here for a year and, and not try to improve things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked. I look at the work uh, as a design project, as a service design project. You know, IDSA provides a service to our community, to our membership, and. Um, we have thousands and thousands of little touch points. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them can be improved. Uh, some of them can be gotten rid of altogether and combined. And so, um, you know, one of the first things we did was kind of hold a workshop. And, and as an organization, our te- our headquarters team with our board of directors, like we wanted to be a designful organization. Like we wanted to practice what we preach. And mm. Let's use our let's use the, the methodologies that we use in our in the in the real world with improving the organization. So. Um, so it's been great, and um, about the, around the middle of, the, of 2018, um, the board approached me and asked me if I wanted to stay on full time. I was already you know, elbow deep in, in trying to change things and make stuff happen, so, mm-hmm. so I said yes, and, and here we are. So yeah, great. the organization's based in Virginia, mm-hmm. and, and I am based in San Francisco, which in and of itself is also a pretty big change. Mm-hmm. But uh, San Francisco and the Bay Area has a, has a massive design community. It's also one of our li- largest chapters, mm-hmm. so it made sense for us to have a presence there. And technology allows for you to work from anywhere now. So
1: mm-hmm. most people are uh, located remotely uh, of the team. Or is it... uh,
0: no, so I have, there's two of us in San Francisco. I have somebody in uh, in New York, and then everybody else is in Virginia. Mm,
1: okay. Yeah. And then flying here for the conference. Actually, uh, yeah, and the then California, here we are in Chicago. So everybody yeah. flies up here for the yeah. event. Yeah. You were mentioning it's a
0: service project.
1: Did yeah. you draw out uh, a customer journey yet?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for sure. That's uh, and we multiple versions of it. Right now, um, yeah. students, young professionals, somebody who's, you know, 5, 10, 15 years into, into mm-hmm. their career uh, and even into retirement. You know, how okay. do we how can we support that entire arc? Yeah, uh, and how do we align our programming to that? Uh, same thing with our pillars. I mentioned, you know, ed- education, community, uh, information adv- advocacy mm-hmm. let's let's make sure our programming fills those uh, those verticals uh, aligns to those pillars and and if we can't make it align to those then it needs to be improved or so that it does or combined with other programming or maybe we shouldn't do it anymore because it, it doesn't help us serve the purpose mm-hmm. uh, of what what the organization is meant to do
1: mm-hmm yeah, it's super interesting as you talk about like applying design with for a design organization. Yeah.
0: Well, and we yeah, because we have a very picky audience, you know, and um, as a be- they notice. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> creating a service for designers is incredibly challenging because yeah. they're picky. They, you know, they do th- they do this work uh, in their real life. You know, they work on brands and they work on on digital interfaces, and so. They expect a pretty high level of quality from us, yeah, uh, in in the service that we provide back to them.
1: Yeah, um, at IDC, you know, uh, you know, generally speaking, we also chat a little bit before about like um, the transformation of IDSA. Yeah. So it would be super interesting to to hear more about that. Like, uh, where yeah. you, uh, how do you want to transform it?
0: Um, yeah, touched on it a little bit, but um, you know, when I started, it, it was an organization that, to be honest, needed work, and I, uh, I think a lot of people knew that. Um, we were just kind of maybe looking for for a new direction or purpose, and, mm-hmm. and lots of associations though. It's not we were not, certainly not immune. I mean, pretty much every association of our of our type. I mean, we're a nonprofit organization, but lots of associations are struggling with a mem- with a membership type model. Mm-hmm. And how do you provide the value for membership? What's the value proposition? Mm-hmm. Why should somebody pay annually to be a part of this society? when you can get pretty much anything online now and there's all kinds of online digital communities you know that Mm -hmm. that you can have access to Um, so it's sort of like you know you you kind of have to have a a heart to heart with with yourself and with the organization and say you know what can we do and who are we in this new ecosystem Uh, the society and lots of other ones like us struggle to keep up with the rapidly uh, with the rapid pace of the internet and you know social media and um, how do we now live in this new ecosystem? Um, so this was kind of the first workshop that we did, was like understanding that landscape, let's be honest about it, and then let's find a way for us to, to navigate to a new space. Um, we realized in this, you know, and, and I've, I've benefited, benefited from it, that if you ask somebody who's been a part of IDSA for a while, or even, even new folks, um, young students, you know what's the best thing you get out of it and they often will say well it's because I met so and so or I, mm-hmm. I made a that connection happens. with this person uh, and it, it's a I shook this person's hand you know mm-hmm. I made a, a very a personal connection one on one and uh, even this event I mean that's why we have a we have 400 450 people of some of the top designers in the States uh, mm-hmm. top designers in the U- in and in the world are here this is a great opportunity to, to meet some very influential and, and uh, inspiring people mm-hmm. and IDSA is, is able to, to pull that together. So these in-person connections, connections is what we wanted to keep. And then now going back to that service design model, like how can we realign our programming to ensure that we are maximizing the potential for people to meet one-on-one in person? Mm-hmm. Both by the events like this, the, the biggest one we do, but also now how do we provide support to all of our local chapters? So mm-hmm. we have 27 chapters across the country um, that are based in cities, and they are supposed to support the, the, the community in, in those local areas. So my team needs to now provide support for, for them so that they can operate and mm-hmm. do their own little events, mm-hmm. happy hours and, and panel discussions and things again getting people in a room to talk to each other make connections um, that's what we're focusing on now so mm-hmm. the change in the, the, so in many ways we're kind of going back to what we've always been good at um but we also have to realize that we're in this kind of new digital ecosystem and and finding ways to leverage that with with the focus on getting people to connect personally one-on-one mm-hmm. and you know, shake hands pass out business cards all that good stuff mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's um, also interesting at um, IDC, you actually um, dropped the industrial design out of the the conference name. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, the whole mission of you know IDC and the, the conference yeah. and what you try to accomplish?
0: So just like with the society and all the, the shifting landscape there, there's tons of new competition in the event space, um, and you have uh, events like South by Southwest and events that Adobe puts on that are now Fundamentally competition for what we used to have as basically the only industrial design conference And so mm-hmm. now you have all these other things that um, if, if you ask your boss to send you somewhere for an event and they say okay, you can go to one event per year How do we make IDSA's event? Uh, attractive enough when you compare it to something like Adobe max or mm-hmm. South by Southwest? You know, it's, it's very difficult and, mm-hmm. and th- those events are dramatically different scales than what we put on yeah, but you know, if again, if you're telling your boss you want to go to one event per year, how do we make ours, you know, juicy enough to 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 hold that attention? So, um, so we we sort of rebranded as part of IDSA's rebrand and kind of rethinking. ID, IDC was our first sort of statement of, of this is the new organization and this is the this is the new kind of experience that we're we're trying to put out and provide for for folks who are in, in attendance. Um, so we, it's now the International Design Conference. Um, that name had, had had been used before. Uh, the event started as our national meeting, then it turned into a national conference. Mm-hmm. Somewhere it turned into an international conference, mm-hmm. um, and then we wanted it to, as the International Design Conference, to just be, you know, a, a beacon for industrial design, but also design in general, and be a very inspirational thing. Uh, focus on highly curated content. Get get great speakers. Uh, who are doing great work, uh, provide opportunities for networking, and, and social, and, and you know, parties, and all this kind of stuff. But uh, we've also been saying that it's an event that has an industrial design bias. It, it We want to protect space for industrial design. So we want to invite lots of different types of designers, like we started the, the talk. I mean, most people in reality work with a multidisciplinary team. So let's get lots of different folks in the room who, who can share their work, uh, maybe in a different space. Um, but at the same time, we want to be able to provide a voice for industrial design. So mm-hmm. imagine if if we have 10 people on stage throughout the day, we want six to, six of them to somehow have a connection to industrial design. Mm-hmm. And then the other four might be something weird or or, or a, a total different design discipline. Mm-hmm. It's also really interesting how we had lots of, des- lots of people present who started their career in industrial design, but then are now doing something maybe more digital mm-hmm. or, or more service or research. And so again, mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to show how the industrial design uh, education can like prepare you to do all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So IDC is now in its second version or second year here in in Chicago. we're just you know focusing on sort of total end to end experience mm. even you know the stuff that happens before you get to the event you know again applying standard kind of service design methodologies and, and yeah. custom uh, journey journey mapping it all out and uh, what do the emails look like you know two weeks three weeks four weeks uh, ahead of the event and then how can we follow up after the event and kind of keep things going and what's the cadence of posting videos and all this kind of stuff to how can it live online so um, just, again, thinking it all through, being very designful and intentional with, with how we curate the content um, so that we can hopefully create something that has value and uh, is, is is inspirational. We're not doing this event in a hotel like we used to do. We're doing it, in this case, in a very beautiful, very modern building. Last year, we were in like this old kind of cool warehouse. So like we wanted to, to put people in, in uh, environments that are inspiring or different or interesting in some yeah. way and then just have a, a, a central stage where... We're celebrating design at the highest level.
1: Mm-hmm. Why did you choose Chicago? Uh, I uh, mean, I, I yeah. maybe uh, could come up with some reasons for that, but it would be interesting to get also your view on. Yeah, why let you me know if you, if these align to what you uh, think.
0: I mean, so we have a, a chapter here. Yeah, um, it's one of our uh, larger chapters. Um, so we have a great community of industrial designers. Uh, Chicago as a city um, has a great history with with design, architecture. Uh, culture and arts so so it, it seems like a good fit from that from that regard as well um this is the city that we've had the most of our national events here oh, okay um, over the years um i forget the count but like i said the first one we ever did in 1965 was was in chicago oh, okay. so um it's you know so it's we've we've sort of had this ongoing relationship with the city and um uh, i'll talk about the chapter too so that the, the chicago uh, professional chapter has been building momentum they're doing a lot of their own great work, and we wanted to kind of leverage that, that energy and, and uh, bring bring the IDC to a to a city that is known for creativity and known for having lots of interesting uh, things to look at and, and mm. be a part of. It's it's the city has a great culture, so we wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I picked. Mm-hmm. What 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 did you think?
1: Yeah, I think you know there's so many amazing designs to this year as yeah. well. I think just to add on what you were just saying, right? Um uh, there's so many, you know, really uh, amazing design stores here and uh big industrial design community and you know some uh, yeah makes a lot of sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I think it's also n I think outside of the US uh, known as a place where a lot of great industrial design is happening, yeah. you know. Um certainly all over the place in, in uh in the US but yeah. I think one of the main Hotspots,
0: yeah. yeah. And I, I want to get to a, a point where this is international in that we host it in a di- in a different city mm. um, outside of the U.S. And oh, okay. This is a sort of a, a challenge with with IDSA. You know, America is in our name, right? So Industrial Designers Society of America. So how do we now live in a global world, and how do we bring uh, different voices together if we're having an international conference? We we want to represent in you know in, 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 in an international way and. Having you a, a part of it is, is one way we do that, mm-hmm. but it makes uh, you know it makes sense in future future iterations of this that we actually bring it somewhere else and, mm-hmm. and become a, a global conference of mm-hmm. some sort. So it's it'll be Same. exciting to see where we go and yeah. uh, hopefully in a couple of years we maybe 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 we'll be able to go to Milan or yeah. Mexico global. City or you know yeah. some some other cool con- yeah. cool country. Yeah.
1: Sounds great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the future of uh, industrial design and uh, what yeah. you see. Um, you know, I think, you know, during the conference, I think it's also a great, uh, moment or uh, a great space to reflect on, on that because there's yeah. so many inspiring talks. here. Yeah. Um, where do you see, you know, yeah, the industrial design going? We touched on you yeah. know some aspects of that, but.
0: I think there's always going to be physical things that, that need someone to design them. Right. Um. So there's always that need for the very tactile experience and for someone to sort of craft that and materials and manufacturing and the more classic kind of industrial design. Um, but the reality is, like we're saying, everything's going to start to be connected if it's not already. Uh, and now, now all of a sudden you're talking about designing for a much larger system. So uh, industrial designers should not only have the knowledge of, of making the physical things and learning how to get things actually made and taking ideas and producing something, um, but it's also going to be connected to the system. Another big piece is, is the responsibility that comes with data collection and how all that's managed. And then also, I think designers, industrial designers, um, should and are kind of becoming more conscious of the social impacts of their work um, uh, and, and environmental impacts of their work. You know, mm-hmm. designing things that are can be broken apart so they can be recycled or... Using materials that you know have a, a clean origin story and a clean uh, ending story. Uh, so the, you know it, it's difficult to do all that, right? The, the magical industrial designer is somehow going to be excellent in all those different fields, right? It's it's impossible. But that's that's again why why I think our profession is also collaborative in nature, right? So that's where we need the, the teams of folks to work together, and mm-hmm. we can pull in people who have different expertise areas. And as long as we protect. You know uh, the the physical aspect of, of whatever we're making, and protect uh, the interest of the user and the brand, and what we're trying to build for, and, and hold and uh, hold that special. We bring in all the other voices to help um, collaborate with, and, and hopefully put something out that's useful and functional and beautiful, but also is is responsible with with how it's used. And hmm. that's the future.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, as you know, the, the podcast is also a lot about like the impact of design and you know, yeah. should inspire young designers about you know, driving positive change. You were just pointing out, for example, sustainability. I want to talk a little bit about the possibility of industrial design and the impact industrial design can have mm-hmm. uh, on the planet. So uh, could you, maybe from your perspective, outline it a little bit about aspects or um, impact um, of industrial design?
0: I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine who, uh, a long time ago, designed one of the first versions of the little uh, disposable toothpick, like it was a, the plastic little toothpick hmm. um, that was meant to be a single-use item, basically, uh, like the little toothpick, with the, it has a little floss oh, there. Yep. And uh, he designed it, it launched, it's great, they've sold zillions of them, and then one day he said he was walking down the street and he saw one on the ground, on the sidewalk. And he instantly was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, what did I do? I've kind of created this this thing, which is useful and it has has a clear purpose, but it's a single-use item that all of a sudden has no value, literally no value once it's done. And the the recycling uh, kind of chain that once you use that product is is was not at that time not." Set up to even take care of a product like that, to, to be able to disassemble it or, or put it into a recycling system. So the shift from like, oh my, okay, I made this great product, it's useful, people love it, but there was a whole another story that wasn't being considered at that time. So again, designers are now hopefully, you know, they're becoming more conscious, more aware of that of that entire arc, and and are preparing for it. And, uh, they're preparing the brands that they're working for you know if, if they're in a firm or if they're working at an in-house team um, they should be the ones advocating for for that with their project teams and 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 even the business uh, cohorts that that are that are helping the project move forward that um you know you're not just making one single thing and, and uh, you have to consider you know so many different factors and and the impact hopefully in all that is the designer is is there as this kind of ever-present voice and like i said for the user for the for the utility and, and, and beauty of the product, how it's made, and, and how do you source? You know, making sure you're responsible when it's picking factories that are um, up to code and, and making things to you know without being wasteful, and um, hopefully the, the impact is, is is the designer being the advocate for trying to do great things and and not tip the balance uh, in any one way too much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also the difference between output and outcome in a way, so sure. um, I think thinking more about uh, actually what's happening after the out uh, output, yeah. right, yeah. Uh, what's the actual uh, impact um, of the product or experience or whatever you create, yeah. uh, both for the, for the human but also I think on a larger footprint um, for the planet, I think, yeah. I think this, this kind of thinking I think uh, is important um, there has been a lot of talk also about um, the value of um, you know, industrial design, you know, you know, Johnny Ive being for example part of the board, mm-hmm. uh, more and more companies embracing that. Um, uh, there have been a lot of acquisitions from you know consultancies being you know bought by, um, or design consultancies bought by other consultants yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or other companies. Mm-hmm. I wonder a little bit about um, your view on, on that
0: topic. You could say some of that trend started with, you know, the design thinking, and um, how can how can we use, you know, a, a, a an, an empathetical approach to solving business problems, mm-hmm. um, and use collaborative methods to solve those problems instead of just mm-hmm. being stuck on a, on a spreadsheet of, of some sort. Um, you know, involving users early on and testing and prototyping and iteration, all these kinds of things. So the impact is, you know, when that's done successfully, you maybe you have something like Apple, where the the value of making beautiful, beautiful project products is has a direct correlation to the success of a business. Um, you know, that are one of those shining examples of, of something like that. We, we like to position them that way, right? And we think Johnny was the one who <laughs> who ushered that in, right? And Steve, but. Um, there's tons of other companies who are sort of known as design companies, uh, or or are trying to reposition and pivot themselves to say, we we are a design company, and we have a, a, a good in-house design team, and we can do that, and we we leverage that in all these different ways. Uh, and then there's been research that shows, you know, McKinsey did a did a long study and published it not too long ago, that shows that when design is is kind of central to the business. Mm. Good outcomes can happen, whatever that is, you know, if you're making a product or a service, uh, and that's not necessarily industrial design, but it I think it is just uh, a designer's approach to solving problems creatively and uh, collaboratively really. It's not a single person to do it, but it's a sort of the result of lots of different um, inputs mm-hmm. is is. Can create a powerful outcome.
1: Mm-hmm. You were mentioning design thinking as one of the drivers of I, I think. Well, yeah. uh, I think uh, industrial design definitely also had uh, a big influence in kind of that kind of um, you know, growth, or I think uh, how design was understood, and mm-hmm. uh, I think largely the, the footprint of design. Yeah. Um, I, I want a little bit about um, your view also on that. Uh, we uh, I ch- chatted with other people also about that. You know, design being commoditized to on the topic of design thinking and mm-hmm. um, these topics. So uh, I wonder a little bit about your view on, on that. Uh,
0: design thinking for me was was the sort of Trojan horse that got us a seat at the table, right? Mm. Uh, it, it allowed uh, maybe a, a business or, or a group who wouldn't have considered the need for design uh, uh, they allowed us to kind of have a voice right and it, and it started to have a uh, allow for a language exchange between the business world and the design world so that they could understand what we're doing and we could show them and uh, we could teach them and they could teach us right um, it has of course been over ubiquitized and over or overextended and used in so many different ways that maybe it's lost some of its initial impact um, but i still think there's 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 value in the design thinking you know, term and how it, how it kind of came to be. Right. Um, I've, I've led workshops where, uh, you know, you facilitate a session and you, you, get a group of people who are not designers to get up and, you know, use stickies and draw on the whiteboards and, and, you know, be creative and sketch out scenarios instead of typing out things. Uh, and then they they always, it it always gets to the end where it's like, okay, now's when we do the work. Um, you have to go home you have to go back to your office and like now you need to to work on these great ideas that we just came up with and sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't and when it doesn't happen that's when design thinking suffers because it's just seen as oh i i did this activity we had some fun you know we used colorful colorful stickies and we drew with crayons this is great we talked to some users and we but now what and th- the design doing is the result of okay now we have to take action on, on these ideas and also you know that's maybe where d- industrial designers are good right like we're good at making things like in theory and, and we're good at, at producing stuff and taking ideas from a sketch into to a rendering and to modeling and prototyping and working mm-hmm. with manufacturing so we have the eth- ethos that's kind of embedded in us hopefully that's like a, a hot sketch is not enough you have to continue the project and it's only until it's out in the world uh, Then it's done, right? Mm. And then, but as we just discussed, Mm. it's out in the world. Great. Okay. Then, what's how does it live after that? What's what's the uh, what's the disposal life cycle, and what's the what's then what happens after that? So, um, designers love telling stories, and so I think that's also part of our uh, why um, we're good at kind of continuing to think what's next, or or even work backwards. Where does this project start? Another activity that I like to do is like called draw toast, and you, you ask people to just draw how you would make toast so people get a piece of bread and you draw it and you put it in the toaster and put some uh, some butter on it some people will say okay well i go i go to the store and i buy a loaf of bread and then i do it but then you uh, then you ask the question well where did the store get the bread okay you go back to the uh, farmer yeah, yeah, yeah and right. all of a sudden the story becomes complex and long and you know you see that a piece of toast is uh, part of a much larger complex yeah. system you know
1: you end up with the story about like people inventing fire, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. You, you
0: could take it back forever.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, looking back uh, on IDC, uh, have been there any you know, big realizations for you? Any big inspirations for you during the the conference? Just the first day now, so. Yeah, we're only but, in the first day.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, like I, the, the biggest thing for me, obviously, is just seeing people in the room. I mean, um, we we've been working on this for a year, basically so as, as soon as we finished in new orleans you know it was all eyes on on chicago and, and building this experience and so um, seeing it come to light seeing people in the room and seeing uh great presentations um that's the exciting part for me mm-hmm. um so far i haven't had the chance to sit through too many of the, of the sessions um but I, I but i love hearing all the talks when i get when i get to um i haven't really really heard any themes i mean that's always fun too to see how a, a, a col- yeah a collection of, of very different speakers can still sometimes carry a very similar theme, mm-hmm. and I hope I hope some of those bubble up bubble up too.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe to to wrap this up as a last question uh, to the young design students, what would be your advice for young industrial design students?
0: Get ready and and, and stay hungry. You know, um, I, I think I think it's a wild ride what design can do, um, and I, I I think I wish I would have told myself. Uh, when I was coming out of school, that you know y- your first job or your second job does not define you, and uh, it's 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 uh, a long journey, and you always have time to. Uh, especially now, with people don't stay at their their offices too long, where their workplace typically you know you, you change every two or three four years, and so um, learn as much as you can while you're wherever you're working, no matter what you're designing, uh, and then take that and then apply it to someone else somewhere else and then I'd also say Do as much as you can to give back. I mean again kind of community and what mm-hmm. IDSA is all about um, I've gotten so much by by okay. Hopefully giving back to people and providing opportunities, right? So a lot of what I do now in this work with IDSA is I'm trying to put everyone that I can on stage I want to give you a platform and and help you help you with your career give you opportunities to speak at conferences and um, give you opportunities to, to have um, interactions with great designers. Uh, just a, a, an hour ago, upstairs, there was a student sitting across the table from a, with a, a CEO uh, designer from a company and it's like, this wouldn't happen. Like This is only possible because of events like this and now mm-hmm. this student has a great uh, opportunity to talk with this person and uh, learn from them, hopefully they connect. Maybe they get a job. Who knows? But but now there's otherwise there'd be no other way for for those two people to to meet, and so that's what these events are are all about for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think you know giving back. I mean, it's also the the topic of the, this podcast, yeah. right? Like the holiday, uh, and I think there's so much value in that. Um, and maybe as the last question, yep. um, is there any specific um, topic industrial design students um, should be really aware or embrace? Uh, Some other people says, you know, obviously sustainability, rapid manufacturing is a big one. Uh, Is there any any you know topic that really um, that you really see is going to be really big and people should embrace?
0: Um, Not necessarily. I I guess a theme of this talk and this conversation seems to be just the idea of systems and um, interconnectedness of of people, but also with the products you design. So, um, so that's that's what I would say. You're making a product but it it lives in a a much larger world so try to consider as much of that other stuff as you can yeah
1: yeah Yeah. all right yeah thank Thank you so much for sharing all that thank Thank you it's great that was the episode if you want to give us feedback on the podcast have something to contribute to the next episode or just want to get in touch feel free to connect with us either on facebook twitter Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you.